Hey everybody, I am Greg Soul, and this is Why Am I, a podcast where I talk to interesting people to try and trace a path to where they find themselves today. My guest this go-around is Taylor Bukowski. They are, and I quote, a celestial star child learning from past lives and changing the world with love and light. What I really see when I look at Taylor is pure energy uh, in human form. So, uh, so over the top, I love it. They are a self-described neurodivergent who is putting in all of the work for sure, all the work and experimenting with some really interesting therapies, a lot that I had never heard of before. I think the line that is going to stick with me was, my trauma was your Tuesday. Oof, just kind of let that hang there for a second. <laughs> At any rate, I hope you enjoyed this enlightening conversation with Taylor. Taylor Bukowski, thank you for joining me on the YMI podcast. What's up, my dude? Thank you for having me. <laughs> oh my gosh, you are just so, you are almost too much, but just right up to the line, which I absolutely you know, adore. Greg, if I'm too much, go find less. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, just turning it right back around on me. All right, I see how no. we do. I see how we do. All right. So there's always a scenario. You and I are standing in line uh, we heard that there's this uh, vegan restaurant that uh, is making these amazing, I'm thinking like, uh, like uh, I don't know, man, vegan scones with like some fresh berries and stuff in there. Like I haven't Ooh. had anything like that in a long time. And I'm thinking you and I, we're waiting in line. It's around the block. So we're striping up a conversation and we talk about me. I am really boring. We get through that super <laughs> quick. It gets way too grandma centric and uncomfortable very fast. <laughs> Uh, we move on, and it's your turn to reciprocate. So, Taylor, who are you? Ooh, what an amazing question. And I've been thinking about this a good amount for, like, the last month. But uh, <laughs> I'm going to start off with, I'm Taylor motherfucking Bukowski, my dude. That is who I am. But in bigger <laughs> terms, I would say I'm a celestial star child uh, experiencing this series, uh, learning all of the lessons from past lives, forgiving and healing all of the low frequency karmas that we potentially have brought into this universe. And overall, I'm here to change the world with love and light and the world coalition. Change the world with love and light. Absolutely. So what is a celestial star child? What does that mean? That's new to me. Mm -hmm. Gosh, that's always good. So uh, do you know Orion's belt? The, Keeps uh, Orion's pants up. Oh, there you are. So good. Gotta love me a dad joke. Um, so uh, the on the left shoulder of Orion's, uh, there's this red star. It's like the tenth brightest star in the galaxy, and it's called Betelgeuse. And uh, that's where your beloved is is down from. I got spirit energy coming down from that that star, and I am here to kick some ass and take some names. Really? So you're just mainlining that energy. That's that's why you're so peppy. Absolutely. <laughs> and the cinnamon <laughs> tea that we got from that vegan shop. It's really uh, bugged me. Gotcha. <laughs> so did you buy it from the shop or the alley behind the shop? Because Obviously, I might need some the of alley. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, where there's the the witch like came out and was just like, "You want some tea?" And you're like, "Absolutely, always." And then it takes you places. <laughs> Well, you say you're also like learning lessons from past lives. What does that, I mean, what does that mean to you? Like, that's an interesting concept. 
Absolutely. So I have been going, so the last two years, I have been fully focusing on myself and my healing and putting myself first after trauma after trauma. And I eventually started finding some different therapies. I am a huge, huge therapy advocate. And one of the really dope experiences is going to a hypnotherapy. Um, That's been a game changer. One, it's literally teaching me how to talk to my childhood selves, do that shadow work, reparent yourself, really give you the love and compassion that you need uh, that, you know, we just didn't necessarily get growing up. And that in combination with my different talk therapies, like I was seeing acupuncturist, body massage, uh, esthetician, facials, I'm incredibly grateful um, that I work for, I do work for a corporation, but it has incredible insurance and I have the means to be able to, to be able to go do these other things. But the biggest thing realizing is, uh, I don't know if you've heard like old souls, you're definitely like, you, my dude, like you are an old soul. And all what that means is this is not your first experience. This is not your first human experience. So you've had other human experiences throughout whenever life has dawned of time. And when you end that, your soul, you know, goes back to wherever you are, you're going and karma adds up throughout these, these lifetimes and the decisions you make. I mean, you've heard about karma and it doesn't necessarily affect you know you in this this specific experience so um you know it could definitely come back and with these experiences doing some past life regression doing a lot of reiki and checking and understanding with my ancestors that i have had many previous lives and i am learning that it didn't necessarily um it wasn't always the stand-up being you are talking to today and this is the life experience where we're learning the lessons from all those things. We're forgiving those past selves and we are, we're trucking along. Hmm. Is Reiki like the practice where people like kind of meditate over you and they kind of hover their hands over you and stuff? Is... There's two different, there's an odd contact Reiki and then there's contactless Reiki. So both, both are great. They both are just, um, I mean, everything is energy, right? Like everything ha- emits a frequency, uh, whether it's it's a plant or your computer, right? Like everything is energy out. So um, a very great Reiki healer, they're just really in tune with the energy in the atmosphere and are able to, everyone, uh, humans, emit that frequency as well. Uh, last night, we, uh, it was a pre-birthday massage and it had a lot of Reiki in it. There was some things that came out. There was definitely like a resurrection. There's some gremlins and whatnot. We got, we healed some, I have uh, perished in a few traumatic ways uh, to say the least, Uh, but this was hands on and it was, it was something I've, I've never experienced before. It was bananas. That's interesting. Perished in a few interesting ways. It did. It did. I've uh, drowned at least twice. I've been on fire. Um, what else was there? There were some other, there's been like a, yeah, it gets dark. There's definitely been some darkness in, uh, in the past experiences. And that's you know, why we have to bring so much light. That's interesting. I've never, obviously, like, I understand that, you know, the concept of, of past lives and we are, you know, like, uh, I don't know, 
just reborn and sort of that same spirit or soul, you know, and, and inhabits a new form or, or whatever it happens to be. But I never, yeah. I never really, so you, I, it, I'm putting like it into different contexts that I'd never thought of. So you've thought about therapy a lot and, and how looking at these past lives help you a lot. And I was just thinking about like, if you could see yourself in a past life and see some kind of trauma or some kind of experience, does that help you sort of, I don't know, sort of like figure out, figure out some or work out some current trauma you have now, just like examining Mm -hmm. that sort of from the past, you know, or, or putting yourself in that, I don't know, just like taking yourself out of your current body and putting into a previous one, like going through that experience. Does that help you sort of like deal with traumas today? This one, that's a, that's a solid question. And I'm very new. I'm new, um, into this, this journey of it. We, um, there's a lot of work that went into it. If, for example, uh, if if somebody were to just go get Reiki and they was they were like, this isn't real or like this isn't gonna work or what? Right, it's not gonna work. It's not gonna. Yeah. It's most likely yeah. not. It's gonna help. Um, but like you had to, I really had to get into that mindset. So like I'd say I'd answer that question. Uh, it's two different ways. Yes, towards um, because if you can learn and truly feel compassion towards another being if you will yourself in a different time and also come to realize that that past experience let's say this is uh not discovered yet but let's say i robbed robbed banks i was fucking bonnie and clyde and this bitch i can see it just like <laughs> and uh but like what what that you know and, and maybe i maybe i hit somebody's grandma on the the way out just uh with my with my car and learning to be able to go and recognize it and see that and not having judgment not having shame or guilt putting on that and coming at that experience with compassion and love it truly has helped me look at my this human experiences in that light as well. So still really new with that one. And I'd say in a, in a different way, it's so like, right. Uh, your body, I don't know if you've like read body keeps a score or heard about it. So like your bodies, um, they're very bodies are incredible, but they hold memories. They hold feelings. They hold all of these things that you don't necessarily get out. And I am very, um, sensory, sensitive um so i'm an hsp highly sensitive person and but what that means is like i can feel a lot of um pain and uh in this in this lifetime it's called somatic symptom disorder it used to be called hypochondriac but Hmm. this is actually feeling pain and so for example in last night's session um when i was just fully in it i could feel um energy moving into my arm and i said it's, it's on fire and literally having to get that off. And so like I could feel that pain from what I would think would be or know is to be a, a different life. So it's it's one, it's just recognizing it and trying to separate myself from it and then also using it to to have that compassion towards myself. Hmm. That's interesting. You know, I 
Well, first, I'm going to say grandmas have really been taking a beating in the course of our conversation. So <laughs> Indeed. Ooh, we've right. really, we've really got to give them a break. I am we do. We do. <laughs> Love you, grandmas. <laughs> beyond uncomfortable. No, <laughs> no, but that's, that's interesting. Yeah. And I'm sorry. Like, I, I ask about it just because I'm trying to like see how how it could like benefit you to explore past lives like you know whether you know you fully subscribe to it or not like it doesn't matter like even if it's just an exercise where you right. put yourself in those positions I man I could really see the value of that you know what I mean absolutely like, That's so, a like, I love that look at it like at the end of the day it's like crystals. It's like how I think about crystals. You one again, they admit a frequency. They actually do a thing. But if you don't fully align with that, at the end of the day, they're just dope ass rocks. Like they're still dope ass rocks and they still make an aesthetic. So they're still useful in some way. Yeah. So like you said, I like that that you used exercise. Just even I mean, first, you really have to do your own. Like you have to, before you even like, that's why I'm still new and I'm still having to ground myself and learn about my own traumas and uh, healing those before you even leave your body to go go somewhere else. So if anything, it's motivation. I, Cause I want to explore. I want to explore these incredible things, but in order to do that, I have to be able to give myself and all the, the choices and decisions that I have made throughout this life and what have other people dawned on on trauma onto me being able to take a step back and look at it and go all right at the end of the day everything had to happen in order for me to be exactly who i am today it doesn't necessarily make it okay certainly right. doesn't make certain actions okay mm -hmm. but to be able like forgiveness is what i'm learning it's it's not forgiving necessarily that person or what it's it's releasing that the whole mm. and I, i'm very much hold on to everything <laughs> that, very sticky this density it's very very sticky but yeah i think it's a super super good exercise when you say you hold on to everything do you feel like you hold mm -hmm. on to good as well as bad yes but definitely bad is well and i and i don't use um i don't use good and bad terminology but um so those i'll say like lower frequency like the memories the feelings the biggest thing about it is survival mode so our our whole memory our whole construction is that fight or flight on freeze type of deal right um we'll use the the tribe example the gathers went out got some berries from a bush somebody tried that got sick maybe even died they're out foraging again. They see a bush with leaves that look similar to this berry bush that caused somebody to get sick or died. They're going to remember and not have any of those berries from that other bush. So we are programmed to remember the the bad, the, the low frequency, the negative experiences more for our safety. Mm -hmm. So it's very difficult because those run on a fucking loop. Uh, for me, it's that it's that negative thought spiral that comes from childhood trauma and above. Um, so I am diagnosed, I experienced borderline personality disorder. And so that's a personality disorder where it's truly trauma based. And what I have learned was my some personality traits weren't actually personality traits. They were trauma traits is what I what I call them. Mm. And what that 
means is there's parts like right really we have very many parts in us we have qualities and parts and the parts at some point took on the burden of that trauma whether it be somebody you know being bullied getting made fun of um parents not giving the emotional attention that's needed um domestic violence experience mm. but we're going through women's rights and rights, human rights are being taken away. We're living through a pandemic, we're living through a war. All of these things are traumatic and those are sticking in us. And you have to be able to figure out how to get them out of your body and out of your head. Hmm. Trauma traits. That's an interesting one. Trauma I've, um, I've something I've noticed is um, I remember I was, I was, I was leaving a job one time and I was talking to this guy, Jacob, sweetest guy, probably in the entire world. He's such a kind soul. And he was telling me all these things he admired about me. And each one of them, I could kind of tick off as direct correlations from trauma in my past. Interesting. Like, it was just like all these things that he liked about me. I was like, well, I know why I have that. I know why I do that. I know I do that. And I was just thinking, do you have any trauma traits you think that you sort of turn into strengths. I mean, I, it, to some extent, I guess those were like coping mechanisms, right? That I just yeah. adopted. Perfect way to say it. Um, I'm very curious on like what he was listing off for you. If you remember, <laughs> I'm like, what? What are your trauma traits? <laughs> this isn't about me. This is about me. <laughs> no, no. It's give and take. It's give and take. So like, um, uh, I learned that uh, if I showed outward emotion, um, you know, it, I would get attacked. You know, and so it was dangerous mm -hmm. to have feelings. It was dangerous to show anything. So I learned to suppress and I just didn't feel. And I learned to even in crazy situations, like I would just lock it down. And so yeah. like I maintain calm all the time. And we were in very high stress situations, a high stress job, but you would never see me sweat because yeah. that was just like I had to always be in control. Right. And it's like I and it was like um, like as a child, like turning everything off and never turning it back on, you know? Yes. And so it's, it's like people admire that in you and it's like, wow, that was hard earned, you know? And so it's always, I'm always yeah. curious to see other people like, do you have any traits that were, you know, trauma traits, hard earned? Like I'd never had a word for it, but trauma trait, I like that a lot. Um, oh, yeah. that other people seem to like, or, or, you know, because you, I've seen, I've seen siblings of abusive families and one becomes a drug addict and one becomes a CEO. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? So you can, you can cope in very uh, seemingly healthy yeah. ways or unhealthy. And so I'm just curious, like, do you have any that you feel like have helped many. you? Very many. Absolutely. Actually. Um, that's so funny that you asked that. I was literally thinking about this, this yesterday and talking through them. So one of the conversations that I had actually with my acupuncture, I was like, where's the line of manipulation when, so this ties into this trauma trait. So very much, um, we, it was a household. It was a lot of yelling, a lot of loud noises. Um, we also didn't know that I was an HSP, that I'm on the autism spectrum, ADHD, like none of these things were known. And so all of those have in common, um, so everyone experiences, you know, the senses, my intent, the intensity of the scale for me is just bigger. So constantly, I mean, the very common, that kind of household, you really have to go 
you know, when you go into a room, you gauge the emotions, you gauge the feelings, you, you understand uh, for survival mode, that's your, your coping mechanism. And I also, um, a lot that came from that was people pleasing. And mm. it was making other people's, you know, happy, because when you experience a lot of sadness and anger, I flipped into this role of wanting to put a smile on somebody's face or make someone happy because, you know, I, I needed to, I wanted to. Did you but, kind of become the peacemaker? Oh my God. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, that's where it's so funny. It's like, that's the perfect, it's like the diplom diplomat, the, the peacemaker has actually followed me and has, it's a big reason as to why I'm so successful today and why, why I can do what I'm doing. But the issue, not issue, but the um, the occurrences that happened that brought up is it manipulation is. So I also like I wanted to study. I studied people. I literally went to college and and studied communication and people because it was just I didn't know that that was something that I just was fascinated by um, and trying to get to know people more and like the psychology of it. And so I I know that I can go up to anyone. And I can say something to elicit a certain response. Hmm. That is how cultivated that that skill has become um, from that people pleasing. And so when it's when I realized that that was a trauma trait, to your point, being able to take these things that are are with us, and it's never going to the past it won't change, past doesn't go away. But to be able to take that and go, all right. Well, I know that I can go into a meeting uh, when it's a very intense conversation. Um, I'm in the DEI field and I can I can gauge how people are feeling even through virtually. I have a good idea of what I can say, what I could stick stay around and uh, navigate a conversation to where it is keeping the peace, but it's also productive. It's being able to ask and be in that uncomfort level. It's being comfort, uh, comfortable with uncomfort. And that's just very, very similar. And then one other just popped in the perfectionist, uh, the perfectionism very much like OCD mother. And I mean, my, this is the mom that I literally couldn't do a school project without using the paper cutter type of deal. Like that shit, like shit was pristine <laughs> and it was, it was a lot. And that I deal with a lot from that. However, what I, I realized is what I was able to take from that is I produce very high quality work. It takes a lot on my mental health, but I do produce this. And it's something that the things that I'm very proud of. Um, you got fear of failure and fear of success in there. Brains are super fun, but those are things that I've now able to, to take and go, all right, I am, I am taking, I am control of these things now. They're not trauma traits. They are, I've learned my lesson from them. And now I'm using it to help me in life. Mm. That's a good question. So something you touched on there, which I think is, is a trait we probably share, um, is well i think you're probably hyper empathetic is that is that how you would describe it yeah super yeah so you could really i'm not necessarily hyper empathetic but the idea that you can and i know you use the word that i used to hate manipulate you can manipulate mm -hmm. people and i did um i did like a, a disc profile like dic i don't know if you've ever done one of those but you answer a whole bunch of questions and it gives you kind of this personality profile of yours um 
mine was interesting because like there's like this chart right it's like you know kind of imagine like a dartboard and in the yeah. different quadrants it has different personality types and it shows you kind of where your traits are well i was like right in the middle so it basically said that i'm a chameleon and i can kind of fit in any situation mm, and yeah. what it said was is that i will manipulate people to meet my end goals and i was like i railed against that i was like and i've had conversations with other people like how much i hated it saying that i would manipulate people because it to me it's got such a bad connotation like who wants to be yeah. manipulated right nobody wants yeah. to be manipulated nobody wants that but what i learned was i can help people accomplish my goals while also accomplishing theirs at the same time right and to me that's a win-win uh am I manipulating them? I'm helping them to make a decision or I'm swaying them one yeah. way or the other. So I guess that could be, but right. It's like you could use your gifts for uh, good or evil. And I usually exactly. use it to, to build people or help steer them in the right direction or especially like when you find yourself in a management role, right? It's like, do you want to, do you want to lead by force or do you want to be in there with them and, you know, leading from the front of the pack? And so it's just, to yeah, me, it's, it's not really a, it's a good, like, it's an amazing superpower to have, um, especially when you use it in the right ways, I think. So I think that's really cool that you have that. Um, and it's funny, like, uh, my partner, she, um, I will, like, talk to her about stuff, and she will, like, rail and go the opposite direction. And then a couple of days later, somebody else will say the same thing. She's like, oh, okay. I'm like, well, what's going on there? And she'll be like, well, I just don't want you to manipulate me into whatever. So it's like, she's like hmm. so hypersensitive of me trying to like, and I, it's like, I guess like it's unconscious for me. Like, I don't even try and do it. I just have conversations with people and like, you know, like I want to know why you want to do this thing. And this is why I think this thing. And, you know, yeah. so it's like, it's, it's like it's, you have a podcast for wanting to, <laughs> to understand and know people. I know, it's so <laughs> funny, but no, it's just, it's, it's, that's super interesting. It's funny how it. those things can uh, positively impact one part of your life and the other part it's like, oh, well, let me be extra careful over here because, you know, Absolutely. it's like I, I never want to unduly um, manipulate somebody. But also right. you mentioned perfectionism and I feel so sorry, for you, so sorry for you guys. I used to be a lot more of a perfectionist and then I ended up in an environment where we had insane deadlines. So perfection wasn't an option. And it became all about mm. triage. It's like, I got to I gotta duct tape this thing together as quick as possible so I can move on to the next. And so I know the environment we're in can sometimes be pretty fast paced. And I'm curious how your perfectionism deals with that. Do you just eventually abandon everything? It's like, I, I just have to stop. I have to leave it. Or do you <laughs> actually feel like That's you paralysis. Fall? That's a <laughs> decision paralysis is actually, yes, uh, the overwhelm comes yeah. very frequently for me. How do you deal with that like in kind of your professional life, the perfectionism? So I like to say I'm a recovering people pleaser and perfectionist because <laughs> we are moving past these trauma traits. Uh, we're moving, yeah, we're definitely not letting it control us. We're trying to find that balance. Um, but actually like in that same light, it's incredibly challenging. Uh, I had on Friday, I made this, uh, I've been trying to show, you know, make more content to really show the real, what is BPD rage attack look like? What is the overwhelm paralysis? It's the task initiation for me. And so what I 
it really is a battle a lot of times with this perfectionism is I could look at my, my just growing list of things to do. And when there's just so many, I just, I get into this state of just, I'm trying to find another word for overwhelm. It kind of is just like, I don't, I don't even know what to do. And then not doing anything elicits more anxiety and mm. overwhelm. And so it's just a, this vicious cycle. And so I've been using the phrase done is better than perfect. Mm. And uh, practice makes progress because I'm having to to really. And that's the issue because I know I can uh, create high quality work. I also run into the issue where just people are not good at their job. And I really do say, like, <laughs> if I can do someone's job better to them and it's not my job, like that's a problem. That's an issue. And so it's, it's very challenging that I'm like, could be working on a project if it's with somebody or a conversation. I'm like, ah, like it's right. You have to delegate. You have to be okay mm. with someone else's quality of work or timing. It is, um, it's quite difficult, but. Yeah. What part of it, what part of that affects you the most? Is it like that the work is representative of you and if they don't do a good job, then it's like it's a direct reflection on like I did a bad job or is it I mean what what about it like the delegating piece and somebody else doesn't do quite as good that kind of gets you because I know what it could be and so when it is not that I mean it's it's a vicious cycle of setting expectations as soon as you set an expectation on yourself or someone you're just uh dooming that both of you to fail um but because I generally so I can see the end goal. As soon as I can see what something is supposed to be, then I can figure out how to get there. And I can generally mm. figure out most things that way. Um, but the issue with, or again, the, the challenges that we run into is because then I've seen what that could be, it's becomes too many steps and then it doesn't even get done all the way. And then it's the negative spiral of, I needed to do this or I could have done this differently or why didn't I say this? Why didn't I do this? So it's not necessarily like because my name's on it, like no matter what, I, I do have to remind myself, even my average work, my like baseline is usually better than other people's trying hard because I, that's just the, my mentality is just like, I am go, 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 that chameleon working nonstop. Well, from your, from say, if this is the average point and this is absolute perfection, is there really that much difference in between your work? Like, are we talking like a two mm -hmm. to 5% difference? Like how much more polished do you really think it is? You know what I mean? It's like, because it's so funny, like from start to median, sometimes that'll take a little while, but from median yeah. to perfection, it's usually like, the difference is so marginal. Sometimes you can't even really tell, you know, it's usually you are like, all right. So like I've done event, <laughs> event management in all different kinds of fields. Like I've done everything from weddings to like Heidi Klum's New York week fashion week. So it's, it's been a ride, but the, one of the biggest things with event planning event management is moving past the, all right, well, nobody here knows that this thing didn't happen or that this didn't wasn't supposed to look like this right right um but it's really hard is my brain like like i said it gets really stuck gets really sticky and that usually like change was always so 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 difficult for me 
and then not being able to do the thing, not be able to complete it fully. And it truly changed my experience. Uh, and I got lost into that. So with this recovering and healing, it is recognizing that if I'm to your point, trying to polish off a, like a dope ass presentation deck, what is, I know what's, what's it could be and what it needs to look like. But I have to remind myself and thankfully I have a wonderful manager right now. That's like, don't get lost. Don't get lost in the weeds. <laughs> that is better than perfect. Like get that, get that on, just get it on it. You brain dump it and then organize. But I think through, well, this is how it should be, needs to be organized. And this, like, I feel like I need to know what it's going to look like before I even get the content in it. And it's, it's rough, very rough. <laughs> so it sounds like, it sounds like this is entirely inside your head. It's not predicated on yeah. what my boss is going to say to me or what somebody else is going to say or what somebody else will think. It's like it, everything is just inside of your head and you know what perfection could be and anything less than that drives you crazy. Is that? It's very accurate. Yeah. Holy it's all, shit. all on this beautiful, beautiful big brain of mine. Yeah. That is a scary place to be. It's self-torture. Yeah. Self -torture. I, could, I could see how you end up just going in circles and circles and circles and yeah. Yeah. Wow. I idle. I'm the, uh, that the spinning wheel of death that, that is my brain a lot of times. <laughs> oh my gosh. Done <laughs> is better than perfect. I, I love that. And for us, um, well, in most of my career, it was, uh, working is better than, you know, completely on fire. Cause, cause that's oftentimes what we were shooting for. You know, it's like, Fair. again, triage, like you've got 10 yeah. things coming at you. I just need to you know, put a tourniquet on this guy. I need to, you know, stop the bleeding on that yeah. wound. It's just, and then, yeah, man, it was, so it was just, it, it definitely, it beat it out of me. Like the idea of having anything perfect. And, um, I'm at this place now where I can usually just not care, but it's funny because it's not the voice inside my head that bothers me now. It's like, if I don't like kill it and somebody else, um, you know, I can tell that like, somebody else didn't think that I just killed this thing, mm. like that I mm -hmm. just did this, you know, cause it's like right. so much of, of what I do now, it's like, it's all like this, it's all this work that comes to this pinnacle of where you have to like perform in front of a customer or you have to go and do this thing and you get one shot and it's, it's pass fail. You know what I mean? Like every time. Yeah. And so yeah. you just, and for like, you to be able to, to read that, per, like the person's energy, as well as if you did it a good job or not. I mean, that's that's good though that that doesn't then get stuck in your head. That is that is a challenge for sure. Yeah. So you earlier, I'm, I'm gonna go back in time here. You talked about ta -ta -ta, reparenting. Is that what yeah. you said? Well, yeah. I have I've never heard of that concept. That's oh very gosh, curious. I love to, to talk about that. This is this is huge. I am a I'm a trauma fighter. I, I truly do believe that if we can heal, if everybody could heal their own shit, the world would be a much different place. So <laughs> re, reparenting is what that looks like. It's, and I also like throw the word shadow work and I can explain what that is too. But reparenting is, is pretty much, it's you going back to a memory, um, you know, checking with yourself, going back to a memory, um, and being the parent, staying and doing the things that you needed that you didn't get Whoa. back. 
it back then. So I have, I have an example of that. So I um, preface this by saying I'm in a good place presently with, with one parent. And again, I truly do believe things had to happen in certain ways for me to be here, but it doesn't necessarily change some of the, the chaos that happened. And one of the biggest things was, um, so I used to, I, I used to very much still have very big feelings, right? Like I think you're <laughs> getting in that sense. Uh, everything is just more intense. And so when I got upset um, and had like crying fits, I wasn't able to necessarily like just stop. Um, and my parents, they, um, right. Cause like there's, we've gone in the wave of like what parenting needed to be like, in crib style, do they sleep on their face, the back? That's changed like a hundred times. So like uh, parenting is only as good as what society is educating on. But they actually put me in my room and they had changed the lock from the inside and put it on the outside. So they actually locked me in my room. And I had to, that was learning how to self-soothe. Um, and all that really, like what I've come to know is all that did for me was realize that my big emotions are not okay. And I'm the only one or I need to heal and, and fix and solve that problem by myself. Or if I did, I did, did something wrong, which like, I was, a good, I was a good kid, like, whatever I did that was wrong, it just extended it increased that and made me feel like those feelings were not okay. Hmm. So in some reparenting, um, and I visit this this past me uh, a good amount um, and it's building that trust. So if anything, no matter what, it's it's all about trust. Um, just because it was you doesn't mean that past you is going to completely, you can't just come in and scoop up them in your arms, right? Like yeah. it's all consent based as well. And uh, so that was something I worked with a lot of the therapies and then on own was I was able to start sitting outside the room. I was then able to come and sit inside the room. And then um, it was a beautiful moment where past Taylor like crawled into my lap and then I was able to, to hold and just um, hold and say the things that like I needed to have heard back then. And then you always finish it with like, do you want to get out of here? And it's usually like, fuck yeah, get me the hell out of here. And I come up with different ways to get past Taylor out. We've we've jumped on a unicorn's back and float through space. We've gone on roller coasters <laughs> and you create a, a healthy, beautiful landscape inside your head where where those past selves can go. You can check in on them. Hmm. That's interesting. Does do you feel do you feel lasting differences after doing oh, that kind I, of thing? It, I mean, it's really unbelievable how healing it truly is. Um, I'd say they, they definitely add up. Like, it's not like you can, uh, I wouldn't say if somebody's new into it and then just like picks a memory and does it and is like, oh my God, I'm healed. <laughs> right? like, there's, a lot, there's a lot more fucking memories that you, you know, you would need to go to and it's, uh, it's maintenance. Like everything, like you've seen under bathroom drawers and whatnot, at some point you have to reorganize and clean it and maintenance uh, it. But by doing this consistently, and that's the, the word that I use most often is it's consistency and trust. Mm. Those, are the, those are the pinnacles um, and pillars for me. But the more you do that, the more your past self is now trusting that your current self, you say, I'm an adult now. 
I will not let, I will never let somebody say or do the things to hurt you in this way ever again. I protect Hmm. you. I'm here for you. And what that does is it flips from a trauma trait. It flips from this survival mode into more of the driver's seat. And I, I used to say this, I used to say it did feel like I was in the driver's seat but like in a self-driving car, not like a, a Tesla or anything. Like just a, a, what Tesla, like the first edition will be in like a hundred years and people are gonna be like, <laughs> oh, that garbage can. So like that, <laughs> so like I was in the driver's seat, I wasn't in control and there was a fog over the windshield. That's mm. how I feel like I was experiencing life up until about a year or so ago where wow. I truly fell in love with myself for the first time and found self-worth, respect and trust. Um, and it's by doing all of these things. Hmm. Do you feel like whatever you go back to that space, is it easy to find the words to say to your younger self? Mm. So challenging. It's it's really it's really hard because you, it's not like you've heard them before. So yeah. I, yeah. you know, I lean on. Uh, thankfully, this was really helpful with like the hypnotherapy is, is guiding. Um, you know, my therapist guided me into like, what, what would you like to say? Or what is your past self need to hear? And so I try to remove that, the analytical part, this, that is one of my most finicky bitches of, uh, parts, my goodness, but to be able to remove and not overthink, which is, which is a life goal, but, uh, <laughs> it's to actually try to be authentic in that way, because that is you know, if you go off some script, then that's not actually you speaking from your heart. So it's taken practice to even learn how to talk to myself, plus then trusting myself to do it. It's it's all been a domino effect. Hmm. You know, it's funny. I've had like um, kind of personal epiphanies or breakthroughs when yeah. I was having a conversation with someone and they asked me something and just in the moment I answered it and I looked back on it 30 seconds later and like, I didn't realize that was the truth. But now that I have mm. said it and I look at it and examine it, I was like, wow, that, I mean, that's it. It's nail on the head. It's like, why didn't that, I don't know. It's, it's funny how, feeling. like, it's like, where did it come from? You know, obviously it was inside me somewhere. Um, that's your subconscious. That's yeah. you allowing uh, a passage of your, your gut feeling, your subconscious to actually be able to speak through. And then you, you trusted it. So like, say like, if you did that and you look back 30 seconds later and you were just like, no, that can't be right. Let me change it. Well, then that's you're on removing this level of trust of yourself. And the more you do that, which is something that I did my entire life was I, I did not trust that gut feeling. I didn't trust that because of upbringing. And by not doing that, I feel like I've, I've didn't have a sense of myself. And that's actually like back in that manipulation concept of like, well, it's, it's only manipulation. It's like, it's a narcissism versus like ADHD. It's, it's at low frequency when it's used for malicious intent. It's not necessarily manipulation. If you're going into it again, like you said, yes, you're trying to reach your goal, but you're also working with that other person. If you truly were only doing and going into that interaction with, I only care about my end goal. And no matter, I don't care about other people in order to do that. That's when that's like malicious, but like losing the sense of self because I, because of being a chameleon, because of being adapted and the people pleaser, I truly did not know who the fuck I was. 
And that's why like, I'm so pleased to be doing this, this podcast, because I feel like I can confidently say like, I actually know who I am and learning more yeah. and more every day. And it's, it's just beautiful. Yeah. It's funny. You like, I look at it like when people start doing work on themselves, they just, every day they become more who they are. Mm. And I mean, you just become more yourself all the time. Yeah. And I, I've heard people say that's why old people are such assholes. They're just becoming more <laughs> themselves. <laughs> they're, they're, they're caring no less. More to give. Yeah. Yeah. No more yeah. <laughs> you know, it's something you, that's funny as shit. You mentioned kind of like, gave me a flashback to somebody else I talked to, Peter Krask, amazing guy. I, I, I'm desperately looking for excuses to talk to him again. But he was saying that um, at one point he was living in a monastery and he was assigned this like monk as a mentor or a priest. And um, he asked him one time, why are you so sure that everybody else is right and you're wrong? You know, mm. like what you believe inside, why why are you so sure that's that's wrong and everybody else is right? And so it's like, it made me curious. Like you said that you would have a feeling and then all of a sudden your logic would kick in and you would have to like squish that. It's like, why, why were you so sure that you couldn't be right? You know, it's like- Cause I was questioned. I was questioned on my, my perspective uh, by the closest people to me. And when you're, your experience is not validated and your feelings aren't validated, your mm. emotions and what you say and do when there's just a constant being invalidated, there was no way that how that would have been amazing if I could have come out of that still truly believing and understanding myself. But that was just something that past Taylor did not, uh, you know, it really you succumb into that survival mode because it's so much stronger to re remember those those times where oh, I said something and then because, and also because, uh, so I'm very neurodivergent because we live in a very neurotypical geared world. I can get from point A to point B, but not necessarily at the same time as say my sibling and his wife could get from point A to point B in a thought process. And so because they might be more linear and I went on more of an adventure and maybe even sometimes I got there before them, but because it wasn't in that line of thinking, I wasn't right. I was wrong. And it's just, a, you know, it's called gaslighting and whatnot. I actually had this other example. Um, this happened like this last summer or so. Um, I was living with my, my family and I went to go put it something in the trash can. And just like a can that was opened was sitting on top. Well, I didn't think about looking. And I go in and I cut my finger, my like, gashed open my finger blood pain and instead of being immediately somebody saying oh my gosh are you okay can i get you a band-aid i got why did you just put your hand in there like it was my fully my fault that right. i just did this thing so like it's kind of that it's just they're little they're micro gaslight experiences but the repetition of that just invalidated my experience and it made me feel like my reality wasn't actually true reality. Hmm. I get it. I get it. That's interesting. Like, um, I just think about my kids and we've taught them to question everything. Like even things I say, like we give them the space to do that. Here's the catch. You got to be respectful, yeah. respectful, right? You can't be 
they're still dicks, but they're learning <laughs> to be less, right? They're like 13 and 16, so they're still yeah, idiots, still there. morons, yeah. but they're getting better all the time. But like the concept, so it's so interesting to me, like to think that people like course correcting you, like, why would you, you know, it's like, I, I opened my car door and an alligator jumped out and bit me. It's like, well, why would I ever <laughs> expect that to have, you know, it's like, I never expect why did you to open have... your car door exactly where the alligator is? i know right it's like <laughs> why would you have like a sharp thing just hiding in the trash like where yeah. nobody would ever expect you know so it's like <laughs> the idea that like you could be like trained like that over time like it's so foreign to me like i don't know i just i wanted my kids to well for also like when i was growing up anytime my mom didn't want to answer a question it was because i said so and it's like, I know Ooh. there is either Triggered. something logical, yeah. there's a logical reason or an emotional reason why you're choosing this thing and you're just choosing not to tell me. So, you know, and so it's like that, that yeah. thing never, like for me and my kids, that never existed. It's like, I will Maybe. explain to you why I'm doing this. You may not like it, but you'll understand it. Right. Uh, and so that always that's like so validating. That stuff that like is... drives me crazy. Yeah. I mean, and that truly is, that's, in a way like that's gaslighting that is um that is not being forthright with what that you're actually doing and so all that does is leaves that big imagination up for interpretation and so with myself like what i experienced is because i cared so much like i cared more what other people thought than what i thought about myself and that wow. was just my norm so as soon as that something like that happened I immediately go, I did something, I said something, something's wrong. I mean, that followed me all into adulthood of like, mm. fuck, if my director pings me randomly and is like, hey, I need, we want to, I need to talk or something. It, that's the sinking oh. feeling that I experience of Chest like, fuck, what tight. did I do? Yeah. Yes. You feel yeah, sick yeah, to your yeah. stomach. Oh, yes. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is I mean, the, I have no idea yeah. what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it's so refreshing to hear that that's, you know, what you're teaching your children is it truly is question everyone, including your parents. It's especially us. Like one of the the things that gives me the icks is like having, making children hug adults, even if they don't want to, or they're like <laughs> hug them for like a birthday gift or something like, no, like all that, like that does not teach that correct kind of consent. Like just because somebody says or does something doesn't mean you owe them yeah. you at all. But that's how how we were that was kind of that raising yeah. until like central parenting came out <laughs> yeah and something else we've like taught our kids is like just because somebody is like blood related to you does not mean they're mm -hmm. family right if they they don't improve your life they don't build you up then you don't have to associate with them you don't have to talk to them you don't have to hang out with them <laughs> you know what i mean it's Easier like maybe, than done, for maybe sure. on, well not for us <laughs> <laughs> it's easy for us it's like now you know but it's you know family are the people you choose to let in your life whether they share dna with you or not that's up to that. you and life i call is too them short. uh origin family uh i i've now switched to just calling it my origin family because like you just said the family you have different you have a soul family, you have family. Work family. so i i love that you because so i've just successfully um my father i, I call him tony I was able to separate myself from that. I've, I finally learned how to give boundaries and reinforce them. And I mean, that's, it's a very difficult thing. That's why I say it's, it's, it's not easier said than done when 
especially when other family members just do not understand it and don't give a shit yeah. about your perspective. Like yeah. it was, it's always uh, make the uh, grown adults emotions. Everyone's caring for that as opposed to, hmm, why is this? Why is his daughter not talking to him or choosing to do this? No one's gone like, hey, what's the shit show you've gone through in your <laughs> life to make, have you do this? Um, and so, yeah, it's it's very interesting. But I agree. Like you do not you choose, like you said, life is short. But in, in that instance, it also could be really long. Like we don't know. Uh, I always think it's so funny, like that quarter life crisis or midlife crisis. But like, how do you know when that is? Like right. you, you really could, you know, not to throw this, throw not throwing this out there, but you could walk out tomorrow and get hit by, hit by a bus. You just do not know. And so I've actually been saying you have, you're guaranteed today and you can plan for tomorrow. And that is all you are guaranteed you can do. And uh, that's how I'm trying to shift and live my life. You can plan for the future, but the amount of overthinking and the, constant like if you're thinking about the future you're in anxiety if you're thinking about the past you're in a depression so keeping that one living presently which is fucking difficult <laughs> and it's boring living present like to be in the present moment boring as fuck and that's why it's so hard um fuck, me learning how to meditate with this fucking brain like i have five streams of consciousness at any given time like while we're having this conversation i'm literally having like two more in my head <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure far more interesting ones as well uh, you know, we're good time. We're very, we're good hang, I swear. <laughs> oh, man. Well, you know, I was, I think it was last week, like I came to kind of this, this epiphany. Um, you know, the idea of like cutting people out of your life, like that sounds so harsh. And so many people have a problem with that, especially like when it comes to your family, right? You're, you know, I'm doing, you know, your origin family. I got a new phrase for it. Your origin family. When it comes to your origin family, like cutting people out is like, people refuse to do it or they can't do it. And through like having this conversation with my wife, I came to this idea that like, you're not cutting them out. Like I imagine we're both on a road and we're heading to a destination. And what I do is I'm just, my car's going faster and I just move ahead. When they can heal, they can get right, they can get healthy, they can fix the things in their lives they need to fix. Guess what? Their car's gonna go faster, they're gonna catch up with me. You know what? Hopefully that happens. If it does, it's great, man. Open my arms and I'm going to embrace them. But if it never does, that's not my fault. Wow. Right? Like that, wow. that has nothing to do with me and everything to do with them. I'm just getting to the fireworks sooner. That's all. You know, Ooh, if they get there. I love that. So, to me, that felt like so liberating because it's, it's truly yeah. like, that's really how I feel. Like if they can put in the work, like so many of us do, you know, either therapy or, you know, you start a podcast where you talk to people and basically make it your therapy. Um, you know, you, you start getting right. You start doing better by other people and you make amends, you fix the things. Then, I mean, welcome back. Forward. There you are. I missed you. I love that. It's a, <laughs> interesting that you use that metaphor. My, I was told from my family this last year uh, that it felt like I was on a train and I didn't invite them. And that was very interesting to, to hear because I was like, yeah, that's the fucking Lily. I'm on a train and I'm not getting all, I try, I've been trying to slow down at certain stops for them to, to be able to jump on, but they're not necessarily, like you said, like their train also has to be going uh, at the same speed or, or faster in order to, to be there 
And it's been a really interesting change because when you are that the peacekeeper, when you are the person that always is the one to reach out and apologize first or um, ensure that communication is happening, well, when that flips off, it is extremely noticeable. And that was something I learned very early in the, the healing process and in this journey was people in your life will not necessarily understand and a lot will be family. And I, it was <laughs> for so, so long, it wasn't family. You know, it definitely was a few people here and there, but I was like, wow, that's, that's so amazing. And then that's where it started coming out because we were families. Um, we didn't talk about feelings. That was just not something we did. And fucking everyone talks around each other. So hmm. it's uh, it's definitely the family dynamic of like, you'll talk to this person and then that person ends up like just saying it or it's like very much talking behind your back and I can I fucking feel that I understand and especially like language is so interesting like I can tell if how somebody like say my my mother is relaying a message but the way that it's worded I go you've had that conversation with my aunt and my my grandmother or you've already had this conversation and so all that makes me feel is instead of you just talking to me, you're talking behind my back and you're making me feel like I'm doing something wrong or that I'm just, it's like, a, it's like if I had something in my fucking teeth and you didn't tell me, you fucking tell me. Don't let me walk around with something in my teeth. <laughs> and that, that's like that dynamic. That's how it feels. And it, it's it's very, it, it's just not my vibe anymore. And so I'm very much in the mindset of, if you have a problem with me or if I've done or said something and you do not tell me, that is not my problem. I have to I have to assume and keep moving along that I've done nothing wrong because I can pick up on so many things and reach. So like that's apl applicable to the director uh, re reaching out. If they reach out and I, I have to fight myself to go, it's not, I didn't do something wrong. It's unless somebody has told me I have to assume that everything is fine, but this is a type of family that doesn't actually say what's wrong or on right. their mind. So it's just this, it's very, it's a weird, weird dynamic, weird vibe for sure. I don't subscribe to that. Hmm. <laughs> I, lo I, I love that. I love that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's so many, so many interesting things pop in my head. Uh, I, I, my brain goes on tangents. It goes on little walkabouts when you're talking about stuff. So okay. that made me think about how like, uh, especially early in, well, I mean, for a really long time, like I would just talk to my wife about stuff, like whatever mm -hmm. it was, I would kind of basically learn to process things while talking to her and getting her thoughts and opinions. And believe it or not, like having these conversations have made it so that I don't have to lean on her as much anymore. But it's funny because I've talked to people in the past and they're like, hey, this is a secret. Don't tell anybody. And I'll say, OK, let's stop there, because anything you tell me, you're basically telling Christy as well. Right. Like, <laughs> because and and somebody I was having a recent conversation. They're like, well, that's not what my spouse and I do. Like we only tell each other information that's pertinent. I was like, that's totally cool and everything. That's, and it's not like I keep a, a daily journal of everything that happens that yeah. I need to tell her, you know, but it's like that that helps me process because. I don't always understand everything in every situation in every moment. And like, it's so important for me to have somebody else to talk to. And like you were talking about, like if people could just fix their shit, everything would be great. But it's like, 
if I could fix all my shit on my own, guess what? I wouldn't be broken. I wouldn't be so broken. You know, it's like, so for me, like that, a lot of my growth and um, healing has come through my wife, like having somebody to talk to and confide in. And it sounds like you're doing a lot of that with therapy, um, lots of therapy, lots of reading and research. Fuck on. And, and myself. That's yeah. what people don't realize. Like if you could fix it on your own, I mean, doctors wouldn't exist. Because, you know what I mean? It's like, if you could just fix it, you wouldn't have to go yeah. there. You know what I if mean? If it was easy, anyone could do it. And again, the world yeah. would look like a much different place. But that's that's the whole, that's the yeah. that's a mission. It's figuring out how to heal your shit. And so it's like, to me, it's like amazing that people think, oh, well, you know, I could just change. Or this person could just change. Like, I'll keep giving them opportunities. And if they're not, if they were going to change, they would have they would have found help whether it's through a book because i've 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 changed i've learned things through books and stuff like that or through other people um i'm sorely tempted to do therapy i still haven't done that and family members uh you know some of my children do and it's been amazing for them and uh kind of jealous jealous to see the 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 progress but what's holding what's what's holding you what's like what's your blocker uh man i don't know i've just been really busy lately like I've mm, honestly been on like the real, real bad excuse. If, well, I, if I've heard one. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was like traveling two weeks straight here recently um, with like 36 hour gap in between. And then I've been, it's definitely slowing down because I am blocking out my calendar. So things are slowing there down. Yes. Like I am but being proactive. But it's not proactive. like you've been busy for, right? So this is The last several years. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I could absolutely do something. And they do, yeah. You know, well, so like, and that's, and that's what it is. It, the question is, is not, can people change? It's, can people choose to change? Yeah, yeah. And it truly comes down to no one can tell you to go do it. I could, I could tout about it all day and be like, yeah, my dude, like you would fucking feel so great. But until you decide to, do, you're not going to, it's like, yeah. uh, it's like an alcoholic. So like, uh, so mm-hmm. my mother is, uh, eight, nine years sober. And, uh, but in through high school, she was in and out of rehab and, um, she gave me a call again in college and she's like, I'm doing it. I'm going to go again, but it's, it's for me. And I shoot like right then and there, I was like, I, if (laughs) I, in my head said, if, if you didn't succeed with this one, I literally was going, I had to take a step back because Mm. of like the amount of pain that was every time that it didn't work and didn't stick. And then it did. And truly what it is. You know, her going to AA like didn't fucking work. That was not her vibe. The, the rehab wasn't working. It's it truly was. She had to fully decide that she wanted to get get better and get that house. So it's super interesting to hear that you're jealous, which jealousy is such an interesting emotion to me. Um, and and jealousy, really, all that to the core of it is, yeah, you want to experience what you're seeing physically you know somebody else experience but the question is are you going to keep saying you're too busy or are you going to take the steps in order to do so yeah well for me i think it's more um a theoretical like envy i'm not super because i am i am experiencing growth i am doing it all the time but i know it's therapy is like a cheat code because i could get there way quicker you know if i if i actually went to therapy i think it would it would like i said that'd get me to the fireworks faster if I, uh, if I did some I, of that. I say it this way though. So like I compare therapy like working out. 
I mean, you've heard everyone here is you get out what you put in. And so like I've met talk, talk, talk to people who go to therapy every week and still go, yeah, I'm in therapy every week and still are having like super challenging uh, issues. Well, one beckons the question is, well, are you really are you only like waiting till therapy to do this? Are you you do shit like you personally? You're having these conversations. You do your own growth and shit. Therapy, it might just be, and like it could be something different. Like I fucking love hypnotherapy because it just gave me a different perspective on mm. how to talk to myself. So fuck, like I got to do an art, uh, art therapy with my talk therapist, and that was really fucking dope. So it's just finding something and going. I'm interested enough to be vulnerable with myself in a different way. And vulnerability, I mean, that's that's a fucking, it's a bitch. It's, there's so many layers to vulnerability. Like I, I have a completely open book to someone like having a conversation, but because of survival, like that trying to protect myself, as soon as I start prying open and doing some shadow work and reparenting, my brain sometimes is like Netflix. It will just boom, flip to something else. And I'll realize that and I go, I am blocking myself hmm. from my own growth because of the survival mode. So there's just so many layers that you have to work through and even to get out of therapy, like, right? Like the past life things or just believing in like spirituality and whatnot, you have to believe in it and understand it and know it before it really is going to affect you. So yeah. Somebody could just sign up and go to therapy, but if they're not actually willing to change and, and do something different, they're just doing it kind of like, a, oh, I need to do this, then are they really going to get out everything that they need to? Mm. I feel like I've conquered most of my big demons. You know, like... It sounds like it. The big, the big dragons, I've slayed most of them. What were, and... your, what were some of your dragons? Oh, man. Like, growing up, I was extremely... I don't know. I, I used to be a pretty like normal kid. And then I don't know, man, some Ooh, switch flipped normal. about, about <laughs> the time, you know, uh, ordinary, let's say that. That's what I, I that's what I see. Like I heard a comedian. Um, she's amazing. What's her name? She's, uh, she's Canadian, but she lives over in the UK. She does a lot of stuff over there. It'll come to me in a minute. Um, but she was saying that she, uh, she was like the weirdo in high school. Like she never like finished. She like did her own stuff. She was like super kooky or whatever. And she went back uh, home for her sister's wedding. And uh, some of the high school girls that were total shitheads to her were there and they were like saying blah, 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 you know, just, just talking or whatever. And uh, they told her Catherine Ryan, that's her name. They said, Catherine, you were, you were never normal. And she goes, and this line has stuck with me. I mean, it seared into me. She goes, oh, honey, you guys aren't normal. You're ordinary. And I was like, oh, my. Because Damn. I never fit in. And I and it's like I never wanted to. And I never really could figure out why. And it's because those people were so goddamn boring. And it's just like, like to me, that is like the greatest sin a human can can uh, can can do is to be boring. It's like, oh my god, I can't stand it. You know what's so interesting is that was my exact opposite experience. I was trying so hard to fit in and tried to be like everyone else. That like in when I started doing this, I even asked the question, "Am I special? 
Like I then started getting concerned that I was only ordinary. That thankfully only lasted uh, a very short time because I'm fucking extraordinary. But you know, it's uh, extraordinary. Like, there you go. I'm extra extraordinary. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I um, I don't know, man. Like, it was part partially for me. I think it was that I uh, had most of my emotions just turned off. So. Like the need to like, I like obviously there, I still have this thing in me where I want people to not dislike me. I don't necessarily yeah. need you to like me. I just don't want you to dislike me. Like it's, I don't know. It's sort of this, mm -hmm. it's almost like I want people to like me, but not all the way. Like, I don't want to put in that much effort. I just want you to not dislike. I don't know. It's, it's weird. It's weird. But yeah. No, I get that. I get that. And then I just like needed, I like had to have I, I could not go without people not liking me like if I knew that somebody like didn't and I could pick up on that and it wasn't until one of my the massage therapists because like I use all therapies for like conversation and there was this one person at work that I was just like I she, there's nothing I could do there's nothing I could do that she was gonna like and that my therapist goes well do you like everyone and I was like well god no and she's like so not everyone's gonna like you and I was like oh and so like in the business world, yeah, you're not going to like everyone. Would you have to be respectful and work uh, with that person? Mm -hmm. But you do not, they don't have to like you. And that's, that's very difficult from a recovering people pleaser, but it's, you know, it's so crucial. Mm. Absolutely. It's, and it's, it's a hard earned lesson. And, and you know what I found is like, it doesn't matter how many times somebody tells you that you got to discover it just like, uh, Every drug addict that I've ever heard of that recovers, right? They, their family sends them to rehab over and over and it never happens until they have some kind of rock bottom moment where they say for mm -hmm. themselves, like, I can't do this anymore. And then, right, it has to be their decision. I think it's, is, is how you said it, right? Like until they decide it's not going to change. And Honestly, like there. the perfect way to say that for me is like, like the two years ago, just like a little over. I experienced a domestic violence experience with my then fiance who we had bought a house together the year prior and he had a child and I had a weekend to move out of this, this house that we had like just moved in. And when I was you know, sitting in my, my now new room that I was working, sleeping, working out in at my family's house, I had that come, come to understanding moment. It truly was if I keep going at the rate that I I'm going, if I keep doing the same things, same patterns, I'm truly not going to make it out alive and I need to change it. And so right then and there, I started burning all of that shit to the ground. I burned it down. <laughs> I unprogrammed and I started reprogramming and rebuilding back up. And mm. it's quite difficult because society as it is, is not set up for that kind of growth and whatnot. So it truly was, I had to make the decision to change how I actually lived life so that mm. I didn't keep getting myself. Cause that wasn't that three year of narcissism and gaslighting. That wasn't the first experience. That was just the most intense experience that I've had through life. Mm. Did you know your life is not supposed to be a soap opera? Like I did not <laughs> fucking know that. Now it's just like a badass movie, but like, I did not know and uh, that's really what my life was. And so when that made that decision, that is when these these changes started for me and where I've now actually like took the time for myself. But to your point, until you decide, 
until you hit some kind of rock bottom. And hopefully my, my goal is so that people don't have to hit rock bottom in order to understand how to start healing themselves. That's my, that's my passion. I also, my, one of my goals and missions in life is to destigmatize mental health, especially in the workplace, because we're just all suffering in silence and we need mm. each other now more than ever. And we need to be able to be vocal about it and destigmatize things like domestic violence and talking about anxiety and depression, talking about these things, just like how you and I are doing it. As soon as it's not conversational, as soon as you kind of hush it down, you're just adding to the fact that it is stigmatized and right. something it, it, it's wrong with it. So we just need to start talking about this shit like it's everyday conversation. Hmm. Yeah. And it's funny because people pretend like it doesn't affect them or nothing mm -hmm. is wrong with them or they don't have any trauma or any hangups or anything. You know, it's just, it's crazy, man. You know, yeah. you said you hit your rock bottom. And what I'm curious is, did you have any, did you have any cheerleaders beside you? People that wanted to help you, wanted to see you change? Cause in my experience, when you start really making changes and growth, people get uncomfortable. Right. Like at the at the minimum, they get uncomfortable. And at the most, they like they don't. I like who you used to be. I like who you were before. And it's like that before me was in pain and anguish. And it's like I that's kind of messed up. You know, it's like I don't ever want to be that person again. Like, I'm just curious. Like, exactly. did you did you have that support around you in any way? Well, I'm being honest, uh, I don't I didn't feel that way. And I, but I'll say it with this caveat as um the fact that I am incredibly grateful that I did have that family support at the time that mm -hmm. I was able to to move in with them. I was able to fully focus on myself, right? Like all I had to do was wake up and work, work out. And then they had a beautiful, nice, healthy meal uh, for dinner every night. And mm -hmm. I truly was able to. That is a type of support. Absolutely. That's the type of support that we grew up with. But there is that other kind like you were saying there's an emotional support it's an understanding but here's what i'm also like dealing with right now is these are the people who still don't understand the depth of the pain and anguish that i've been experiencing my entire life Fuck, i didn't even know i didn't know that i've been in so much pain and that i've been suffering my entire life until i joined the neurodiversity community and found out that i experience ADHD and autism, BPD and all these things, I didn't realize these things. And this masking that I was doing is a, is that trauma masking. It's just to make sure that like I can actually function in society. But I, what it's so difficult is it did feel and it does still feel like I'm doing it on my own. Hmm. And I, I've now just finally started to meet my soul family. Uh, I call them expanders. And uh, so I've now been meeting my expanders that I actually trust, like I'm learning to trust other people. And there's mm. now a select group of, you know, small few individuals that I actually trust and that are supporting me. And I know that I could call them in a minute and they would do anything for mm. them. Me, me is in like vice versa. So that's a it's, a, it's a good question because like, it's, it's very difficult because I do like, and I love my, uh, a lot of my origin family members and I love my like best friend from fourth grade growing up, but I just, I don't necessarily think those people always know how to best support you when they grew up in a very similar way. Um, and that way, that's where I feel like my train is definitely, it's on a different path and it's, it's quite, it's been quite lonely and mm. quite difficult. Mm. And 
like being a parent now, it's, it's, it's easier for me to look and see how as a parent, you never want to think that your kid is hurting. Like mm-hmm. for me, oh, you know, I'm trying to tiptoe around it. Um, there's like, uh, something that I found out about one of my kids and the idea that I left them unprotected for so long, like, oh my gosh, like just talk about feeling like there's an elephant sitting on you. Like I could feel it. I could feel the weight. I could feel it crushing me. The idea of that, right. Or, or to think as a parent, like with an adult child that comes to you and says, Hey, I've got all this trauma. Um, you know, can we, you know, it's like, can we maybe work on this? Can we just, you know, like I can see how a parent would want to just like, like just not hear any of it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. cause it's just, it's, no, so, 100%. It's, it's so hard to think that you would have imparted yeah. injury to your child. You know, it's like, and yeah. especially and if I, your kid is neurodivergent, and it's like you have one that's neurotypical and one that's neurodivergent. And you're like, oh, well, I, I treated them the same, you know, and it's it's just it's like I oh, like and I know I've always heard that you're going to screw your kids up. You're going to totally <laughs> ruin them. You're just going to do it in new and interesting ways, different than your parents did. Hopefully it's new and different. Hopefully you don't repeat the same mistakes. But um, like I said, my kids are morons, but I love them to death. Um, well, the, the best, so and I, I appreciate you saying that. that. Yeah, because I and I, I uh, recall our a previous conversation we've had, and and I just feel like I want to say it again here is like the fact that you even feel that way, that is not a standard, you know, feeling. Um, the fact that like you have such a this empathy for for your child and thinking like, and I will say right, like if yeah, treating two people like children fairly one being neurodivergent one being neurotypical it's not actually treating them fairly Absolutely. and that's why like i've been saying like now like if you treat me equally you're not treating me equally and it really does like that touched my heart like hearing you say that because like even that i'm like i'm using that language for reparenting myself um because i get to use that and i can go back and go that's what i would have loved i would love a mm. parent to do that and so you know, I tough. run into narcissism. Yeah, it's and it's tough, tough because kids <laughs> kids don't, like, I think whether you're neurotypical or neurodivergent, kids don't have the words to give to an adult to tell them how to best interact with them. You know what I mean? It's like, you don't even understand your emotions at that age. So how are you going to relay that to a parent? Which is like... And that parent doesn't even know how to, you know, I if know. the parent doesn't know how to do it. Especially that generation, bro. I mean, it's like, they were so uh, ill-equipped for anything. Uh, and yeah. so, into, and like, it was, and I will say like, um, my, my mother, we've gone through, we've gone through many different waves and different, different times, but I've been, I have been dragging her along as, as much as I can with this growth because I, she had to get to a place to where, because I, I, I need help. At the end of the day, like I need help and I need someone to understand me. Um, I definitely wish, like, I I hope that my family, the origin family, like gets more interested in learning about the different aspects of, of what makes me me. But what was so interesting is like, one, <laughs> when I was first trying to learn even just how to express these things. And so, right, like I was full on focusing on myself and healing those memories well, 
a lot of times they dealt with origin family members and it was really a weird fucking situation mm. to like hang out with my mother and then also <laughs> be like healing this fucking trauma that like you know that they don't remember you know and i started bringing things up and it was very much like unfortunately like a guess like that like well i didn't remember well yeah your my trauma was your tuesday of course you're not gonna specifically fucking yeah. remember that but like i i finally vocalized that like it was healing for me to be able to say those things out loud, to be right. able to express to my mother when that door was locked and that I was just left in there. And of course, and I, and I did get that, like she didn't have those memories. And I was like me just being able to get to like, to say it out loud. So it's not just in here mm. anymore. Again, it's not to make you feel bad, but in the beginning of her growth and journey, it, I did get the very narcissistic, like, that when somebody goes, oh, well, I'm a, that means I'm a bad parent or like I did something wrong. Well, as soon as you do that, you're invalidating the fact that I am just, I'm talking, I am expressing mm -hmm. my feelings and all you're doing is, well, how did you handle or what did that make you do or look like? And so there's been a lot of relationship building in that instance of, I need you just to hear me and acknowledge these things that I'm saying. You have to understand that me saying it Again, we can't change the past, but we can change the present and the future. But the only way to do that is if we are having these conversations. Hmm. I've I've noticed that just saying the words out loud, even if it's not to the person, because uh, a yeah. lot of my a lot of my uh, a lot of my trauma surrounds people that aren't in my life and never will be. And they're like so far away. Um, but there's something about like there's been a couple of times where I've said things out loud and it just like it was it was powerful experience like i felt so many emotions that i wasn't even anticipating um it's oh, so yeah. so strange how it it cathartic it is out yeah super cathartic super therapeutic it's just it's getting it out it uh very much like uh so rumination that is uh one of the things battling like ruminating on everything especially those like the negative thought spirals and and, and whatnot and so um, I was doing a, I did a, a speaking session for my company and the question of like rumination came up and somebody asked, well, like, how do you, how do you heat, like help with rumination? And one of the things that I was saying was like saying that shit out loud, actually hmm. saying it to, especially if you can say it to the person and in a quicker time frame. because what I realized is because I was having so many conversations with myself about it so like say it was with a past manager and i could have i mean it, it was so difficult i could have 25 conversations like practicing or like saying what i would say or just repeating it well by the time <laughs> i actually then had a conversation with that person it's already unfair to them because i've already had that conversation multiple times and i actually <laughs> may be entering in at a level that's a bit more you know, on edge and tense, as opposed to just being able to very quickly say it. But that goes against confrontation, which goes against people pleasing mm. and whatnot and treating other people um, better than treating myself. But it's saying it out loud. And then I give myself, um, I try to catch myself three times. I, I give, uh, if I notice I'm, it's one of those things that I'm thinking about like multiple, multiple times, I can kind of go, all right, we get one more and then we literally have to Netflix change the channel. Like if you're watching a horror movie and just turn it off, 
well, you're still going to think about the scary movie. You literally <laughs> have to change it to the to the comedian and start really focusing and listening on that or else that rumination could just keep going. Mm. It's like when you get uh, an earworm, like a song stuck in your head. Yes, I just exactly. have to introduce the next one. Earworm. I have not, <laughs> not heard it explained as an earworm. I was like, oh, that's oh. a turn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. You almost got me to talk about grandmas again. We're done. We're done with that. Um, that's fun. Well, you, you kind of mentioned it, and I find this really interesting, is that you have started doing a lot of like talks like uh you like at, at the company that we work with you've been doing a lot of um kind of um autism awareness stuff just like uh, i mean it sounds like you're touching and pulling like a lot of your event planning past and a lot of kind of your technical stuff that you sort of did just like mirroring and mashing it all together um in really cool ways and so oh yeah for one did you ever expect yourself to be like uh, one, like doing public speaking like this, and then two, about something so uh, vulnerable, you know, something mm. so dangerous to... Ooh. Uh, Ooh, I'm so dangerous. I uh, know, dude. <laughs> I'm worried. So uh, it actually was a dream. Uh, it's one of my dreams from college that oh. I knew that I wanted to be a professional, like a public speaker. I just <laughs> didn't necessarily know the content. And uh, I had this idea in college, I was with, uh, I was friends with like the president of SGA. I was the president of PRSSA. And then there was this guy friend of ours who was also just really academically, um, you know, motivated. And he was the president of his fraternity, et cetera. Well, I had this idea that I wanted to go around to college campuses and our title would have been two girls and a guy because hashtag get the get the kids in the door but then have like an open honest conversation about like what freshman year actually is like and what things to look out for and safety and like have different kinds of conversations mm -hmm. with with these two people and that kind of that went on the back burner because then confidence and not knowing really what to talk about uh and so it was so it was so incredible um and like i used to in college like i used to speak in front of like I, I could go in and speak in front of a hundred people and I'd still get the, the nerves, but I, I, it enthralled me. It really, really excited me. Mm. And then we went full virtual and it was, it was like having to experience, um, I didn't realize that, you know, such a high performance anxiety. I did sports my entire life, practices, scrimmages, tryouts, fucking Excel game time came. It was like, I didn't know what a fucking sports ball was. It was bananas. <laughs> and so the same thing was happening with giving presentations. And it might have been because that, you know, especially with like blue jeans and whatnot, you don't get to actually see and, and mm. talk to the people. But I was experiencing like the full on hand sweating, underarm, just like <laughs> constricting chest, like freaking the fuck out. And I knew that this was something that I actually very much wanted to do. And I was like, I got to figure this shit out. And I had my first external, uh, my first external paid speaking gig, which was, it was so dope, but I had a full on like anxiety BBD attack, like 30 minutes prior. Cause I had also like locked myself out of my house. It was a whole thing. But <laughs> I literally the night before, like I was, I literally Googled like how to gain confidence overnight. And like, I listened to a Tony Robbins podcast and then I just realized like it is practice makes progress. And, uh, the first one I did, 
I hosted World Mental Health Week, um, the, the panel for that. And that was when, uh, that was last September. And that's when my life really changed because I found out, well, it wasn't necessarily the virtual component, it was the content. When it's the content that I found that I just loved talking about, mm. I feel like I do now. I feel so comfortable, I feel at ease, I feel excited and motivated. And it turns out, I just really fucking love talking about mental health and neurodivergency and those, the dangerous, the, the being comfortable with the uncomfortable and asking the, the tough questions because they're not tough for me. And I have a feel like I have a, an ability to be able to talk about these things because of those trauma traits. So full mm. circle, I was able to change that and use it and have more of a vulnerable and open presence because one of my passions is to ensure that whoever I'm talking to also has a level of comfort. And so when we did the autism acceptance panel and I got to moderate this panel with these incredible autistic individuals, there was a lot, there's a lot more that goes into that to ensure that there is a type of comfort because that is quite a, a stigmatized and understood topic. Uh, I fucking, I love it. I want to do, my goal is to be doing one a month um, but my goal would be to be a global, uh, a global speaker and travel the world and, and talk about, I'm going to be on a TEDx, uh, at, at one point in my life, I'm going to do a TED talk and I'm going to change the fucking world. That's awesome. That's awesome. Full circle. That's just, that's you, uh, you said in the very beginning that you wanted to, uh, bring light, uh, change the world, bring love and light, man. I can dig it. Oh yeah. I could definitely see it. I, I, Golly, yeah, you are an exceptional public speaker. I, I've noticed. Like, so that panel, you did a, a tremendous job at navigating a lot of interesting personalities, right? A panel of neurodivergent people, and everybody. I mean, you never know what people are sensitive about, what they're not sensitive about. What um, and words matter. Words have power, and what words they want you to use, and which ones you do. And I mean, it's oh yeah. It's uh, it's a tightrope act with uh, sharks underneath you and spikes above you, and you did a phenomenal job. And so, uh, man, I like it's, uh, it. It's It's prep sessions, and yeah. I love that you think that Too because great. and I uh, people said that for the World Mental Health Week as well. I said I was sweating bullets. Like I, I at that point, like I still was dealing with the, the sweaty hands freaking out, you know, when you're moderating, you have to look at the Q and A, you have to engage in the conversation, mm -hmm. you have to make sure things are moving. And that's where like the multitasking uh, just excelled. But I was freaking out. I was so, so nervous. <laughs> and then I was like telling people that and I kept hearing like, Oh, you would have never know. And like, you're like, yeah. No, not at all. And I was like, expert masker. That is, <laughs> that is because of masking, but it doesn't mean that it's not like literally a storm raging inside me and just keep it's getting better and better yeah yeah well you know it's like perception is truth so if people believe that you are strong and confident and calm then you absolutely are yeah <laughs> but 100%. Uh, i uh i i remember doing like public speaking for the first time probably like 10 years ago like at like this um uh kind of like it's not a trade show just like uh 
like this microtech user meeting thing i would go there and i okay. and i did it i was terrible and i was terrified and it was bad and the next year i did it again it was bad and it it kept getting oh less bad and oh. less bad like i i wouldn't i don't even want to use the word better it was just less bad and less bad <laughs> eventually I mean, like less bad <laughs> yeah 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 and then you know what i found through the repetition of that and then doing a podcast for like 10 years uh. and then doing panels and all that qa stuff like I don't know. It's like parts of that become muscle memory. And then you just start leaning into the pieces that are really interesting. And so um, I think the scariest part, at least it was for me, was starting. As soon as I Mm. took that first step, it was all downhill from there. I'm not saying it wasn't terrifying in between. Mm. I had plenty of terrifying experiences that really educated me in one way or the other. But um, a lot of those terrifying experiences were also accompanied by really cool people. you know, wow. so you know, one led to the other that led to more of the other and then more of the other. So just back and forth, man. That's so cool. I could see you. I mean, who doesn't want to do a TED talk? Like, I think that would be the right. coolest thing. Like, I would Actually, lo- probably a lot of people. <laughs> probably. People who probably like did not want to do public speaking or anything like that. Oh, really? It's crazy, man. Because like when I get in front of people now, I that's when I come alive. Like, I love it. Like, I absolutely love it. Thrive on that stuff. I'm better now, like, and like what you are as well. It's like that the one-on-one conversation, I'm here for it. Like I, I love just because like everyone does have a fucking story. Everyone has a different experience. They've experienced this world in a different way. Fuck, like they even talked to two twins growing up. Like you said, you could have siblings. One could be a drug addict and one be a CEO. It doesn't, because that's just how many, how different a personal experience could be. And I find, I find it fascinating. I find people fascinating. Mm-hmm. And what I have used is as opposed to just asking those like overarching questions or whatnot or commenting and complimenting. So everybody likes to be complimented. Absolutely. But it wasn't authentic to me. So like what I have switched it to is now I only compliment someone if I truly mean it. And I ask the mm-hmm. questions that are more meaningful to me because interactions they take a lot more out of me as well. Like it's, uh, I have, we call a spoon theory. I don't know if you've heard heard about that, but in the neurodivergent world, there's this great article. It's, a, it's like spoon theory. You have a, an allotment of spoons every day and certain tasks take certain spoon, amount of spoons. So like going and uh, being on back-to-back calls, like that takes a lot of my communication spoons. So by the time, at, like at the end of the day, I don't even want to like look at my phone. I don't want to text somebody. I don't want to talk to somebody because all of my communication spoons are gone. And then like you have certain task spoons and like all of these things. Oh, I just rabbit hold. I don't show where we were going with that one. <laughs> oh. yeah, interpersonal communication. So I <laughs> thank you, Brain. We don't always get back there, but you know, we get we get there. So I prefer just getting to know people. And that's why I love moderating panels because even though, yes, it is for, you know, even if it's a virtual audience, I feel like I'm just having a conversation with, with whoever is uh, I'm talking to. And uh, like we did you know, a company, it was called like Red Hat Voices. And I got to, I got asked by someone from the diverse abilities community. And the conversation was just about how being involved in diversity, equity, inclusion and communities have made us better individuals personally and professionally, which is just, it's so fucking true because I have found my authentic self through all these these things. And getting to talk on that, but like, here's the thing, 
my brain, because of like very much part of that ADHD, it's very hard to just focus on the more important thing, which in my opinion, it would have been the content. But mm-hmm. instead of focusing on the content and like what I wanted to say, I worried about that, the housekeeping items, the slide, the the flow, all of these things. And it's because it's like, it feels very much like a self-sabotage. Mm-hmm. And it feels quite like my frustrating frustration part comes out because I just want to be able to do the thing. And then I do the conversation and I, I finish and I immediately go, I would have loved to say this. I don't think we spent enough time on this. And then that's where like that can really be your really toughest, like <laughs> hardest critic. Mm-hmm. So I love doing these kind of speaking engagements because it's such an opportunity to go, yes, I can prepare for certain things, but this is this is a time and experience to be able to just believe that my brain is, it has the answer. I know what I'm talking about. I know what I'm saying for the first time. I don't necessarily need to do an all-nighter and make sure that I'm saying exactly the right things because I also realize I'll make mistakes but I'm also able to realize I can recognize that I can it's uh, I see a mistake as it's not the mistake that matters. It's the actions that come from that mistake that are more important. And you only say sorry when you are ready to change that behavior. And if you've hurt someone and you can recognize that, that is when you, you can say, or that's a a good way to say it. Mm. We wrap it all into another thing. No, no, no. Well, like, to that end, um, something that's helped me a lot with that is uh, I had a conversation with a friend of mine, Brian Brewer, and he believes in like stoicism or whatever. And one of the things he says is you you really have control of almost nothing in life, right? Like you can control your thoughts. Mm. And he can say, he said you can control the intent of your actions, right? You don't actually get to choose, you know, like what he's, his example was there's a starving man. And you see him and you want to give him the sandwich that you're holding, but you're in a jail cell. So you're, the intent of your action is to give it to him, but you can't, right? Because there's constraints. So I also take that to, um, if I say something and the intent of my actions is good, you know, and I want to help or I'm trying to, to do something positive and it's taken negatively, it's like, while I might apologize for that, I can feel okay about it because the intent of my action was good. You know what I mean? Like, and I get sometimes like, um, and you have shown me so much grace. So it's like, I'm not even like talking about you. You're like, so, so kind and forgiving, um, maybe to a fault. Uh, but <laughs> some people, you know, it's like, they don't give you that grace in that space. And it's like, man, I think that sometimes it comes down to empathy. It's like, you know, I wouldn't try and hurt you. Or I would hate to think that you believe I'm the kind of person that has malice, you know, in, in mind or whatever. And so that, that's, that's helped though, me give me a lot of space. You're going... The issue there or the challenge with that is you, that person, yes, you may go, wow, like you, you should know that I'm not going to hurt you. But that person could have had a whole swarm exactly. of different traumas exactly. that that actually holds no water. And, and so that's actually a very interesting, that's something in this DEI world that is actually a pretty hot topic is uh, we, you know, the term used to be, or the phrase, you know, assume positive intent. That's oh, triggering for me to even just yeah. hear it. And it yeah. it actually is, is quite negative. And we yeah. stopped using that yeah. because that's that scapegoat, right? Like it's mm-hmm. that 
Right. Well, I didn't mean to be racist, so I'm not racist. Well, no, you still said a fucked up thing, and yeah. you need to like understand and learn that. And so there's definitely, I'd say, there's a balance with that, and it's just the hindsight and the awareness. But like, you are not included in necessarily in that group because you do have that empathetic awareness that it's not. You wouldn't necessarily go in it and like, well, I'm saying this, and this is it's my way or the highway. Like, you don't have that straight the white male fucking privileged mind is like you definitely have more of opened opened up space yeah. but that is a that is an issue well if for me if anybody you know if every if something is interpreted in a way that i didn't expect i will immediately have a conversation about it i'll say man that is absolutely not what i intended what i was like what does that mean to you or or how can i be better if you know what i mean it's like to me it's just like I'm not just going to let this sit in the air. I'm going to, let's talk about it. You know, help me be Prime better. Example, help me to you're grow. Not, <laughs> you're not in that. And that's not the norm. Like, that <laughs> would be wonderful if that was what the, what occurred. Because if the more people who are just trying to go, all right, I can see how you, you took this or like explain to me what this meant to you or how this made you feel. Like if we approach more conversations in that way that you're doing that, that is where we can, because we're trying to move away from, it's not empathy that we need to give, it's compassion. Because mm. as soon as, like empathy, as you as you are aware of, you're taking it on yourself. Mm -hmm. You are taking on that burden. But compassion, it's holding space for that person or, or that thing, but not fully bringing it onto yourself. And so the more that we can have these compassionate interactions, the more that somebody goes, you know, and, and so for example, it's something I do, I'm like, after an interaction, if I feel like if my brain is kind of a record player of something that I might have said, I'll then reach out to that person and say, hey, I feel like me saying this, this could have come across this way, just checking in type of deal. Hmm. So if we can approach these like you're doing, the more compassionate way to just try to understand how somebody else could have been affected because <laughs> you don't you don't know what somebody else has gone through. That's the crazy, the most, I don't use crazy very often. That's the most like, absurd thing is that people everyone has gone through something and continue going through shit and you have no idea and yet we don't hold the space or the grace or the compassion for another individual we just assume the fucking worst because we're not assuming the best of ourselves well what i was thinking about when you said that was um you know checking in i use this phrase does this blah 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 uh, to me that fits so perfectly with your personality where you might go back in your head and start rethinking and rethinking. I was like, ah. I was like, I don't do that very often. So the opportunity for me to like come back and check in, so it happens every now and then every blue moon, I'll be like, I said it that way. I don't know if that was the right way of saying that. Oh, and, what is but, that like? But that I don't, <laughs> it's basically it's like, it's like if you could hear my thoughts, it's basically like when you put a, a seashell up to your ear, it's like, it's just, just a, a dull roar. There's the really not a lot going on up there. Um, I recently that not everybody has constant thoughts. I go, what the fuck? Like, what? That must be so serene. <laughs> <laughs> it's boring in here. It's really quiet. But, um, you know, it sounds lovely. But I, I'm I'm grateful at the end of the day for the seven streams of consciousness. I just it's the practicing, yeah. the narrowing down, focusing them all down. <laughs> but also to kind of close that loop, you said something I think that is like very poignant, like the idea that 
Um, if we say the wrong thing, like even if we are using empathy, it's because we haven't lived their life. We don't have those experiences, right? So like I, I like to think of like sometimes our decision making is like a game of Plinko, you know, where like everything that's <laughs> happened to us in the past is this little bumper that like moves the chip one direction or the other, right? To ultimately get to a decision, you know, and and if I haven't lived that same life, like my setup is completely different than yours. So, you know, how would I expect to like feel and react the exact same way, you know, so it's yeah. like you, you can't, you can't predict that stuff. Uh, Dude. I love that game metaphor. That's, I have a, <laughs> uh, do you know the Truman? Have you seen the Truman show? Yeah. Movie? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Gaslighting the movie. Yeah. Here's my fucking theory. So I think, so every single person has, is doing their own, has their own Truman show. There are just those that are awake and aware that it is and have mm. more control of that. And then there are those that don't know that they're in the Truman Show. But then I imagine all of these beings just in these like, oh, what are those big bowls that you get in and you can like roll down the hill or like run into people? <laughs> like a giant hamster ball sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like everyone is just in their own fucking hamster ball. They're, they're human ball. And we're all just like bouncing off of each other. And some people have thicker barriers and some people have like spikes and shit. And some people like, <laughs> just are oblivious and we're all just like bumping into each other and it's if we could just look at it like if we could try to if we are bumping into each other recognize that and check in with that other person as opposed to just being like what the fuck you bumped into me <laughs> like if we could just be more kind to each other and more compassionate it would just it would go really a really yeah. long way you know i and we're going a long way but uh there's uh there's a word I learned a little while back that's very akin to that. It's called sonder. Are you familiar with that one? Yes. Uh, you, tell yeah. me a bit more about, about that again. Yeah. It's just, it's like the concept that um, it's the recognition that everybody's living, like my life is a movie, right? And then I have yeah. some main characters or some uh, main supporting actors and actors that would be like my kids and my wife, you know, my partner. Yeah. And then I, uh, you know, sometimes there's a supporting cast like you that'll come in and out every now and then, but then there's extras, right? Like people that mm -hmm. just cross on the street, you'll see them once you'll never see them again. And Sonder is the realization that that person is living a movie that is just as rich and detailed. Yeah. They have thoughts and wants and hurts just like you. Right. And so it's like everybody in the world kind of is living this complex tapestry of a life and you have no knowledge of it. You have, you know, it's like you don't see anything. So if you just have, and this is like digressing from the definition, but like if you just have like a quick interaction with somebody and it's maybe negative, you have no idea what led mm -hmm. them to that point. Right. Because yes. Yes. everything is just so complicated and life is messy. Like, uh, you know, there's nothing clean about it. That's it. But like, that's a beautiful way to say it. It's just like, also, like, all right, so you're driving and somebody is cut you off and goes really fast. And like, you have two options. You either can go fucking out, like, what a dick, what an asshole, blah, blah. <laughs> or you can go, you know what? Maybe that person has to poop. Like, <laughs> maybe there's an emergency. And so it's deciding, are you choosing the path of, anger and rage and frustration that's just going to sit like it only affects you it's not going to affect that person yeah, yeah, or are. are you going to keep moving on with your day and just maybe not assume that that person was out to get you and that's that's with trauma that's where that has been my kind of the change over is to practice that it had come from mindfulness and meditation and just realizing 
well, I can choose the path that like is natural to me. It's like, I have an intense rage. Like you would maybe not immediately get it, but like it's an, it's intense. It holds so much anger and rage. So either fall into the what's natural or take a moment, take a pause and go, there could be another reason for this. And I just don't know. And I'm mm. not going to let it affect my day and, and whatnot. And that's been a very intense lesson with that. Mm. An employee I had uh, one time told me, like with anger and stuff, he's like, um, you know, if somebody's mean to you for 10 seconds, is that going to let you ruin like all 82,000 mm. other seconds in that day? You know what I mean? It's like- It used you, to. I mean, yeah, yeah. It used to. It would, I mean, it would sit on top of me for multiple days. Yeah. That stuff would, you know, and yeah, sometimes weeks. <laughs> learn to nip it in the bud, man. Take care of this. Well, dude, I could just keep talking and talking and talking, and oh, yeah. I try and be very respectful of your time. You've given me way more than you uh, had bargained for, I'm sure. So, uh, right here at the end, I just want to ask: Is there like for people that are listening? Is there any way you'd like them to interact with you on the internet? Oh yeah. Uh, you know, like socials, whatever, whatever it is, like what would, sure. how would you have people find you? The internet. Let's do it. Uh, so I have my, uh, my brand is thrive, not survive five by five. Um, so that, and that came out of after that domestic violence experience and I was working with therapist and I said, I'm so done with being in survival mode. I don't want to just survive. I want to thrive. And she mm. goes, Ooh, I like that. And I was like, like that too and so that's become <laughs> become my motto for the last two years is i don't i've been in survival mode i figured out since i was two that's a oh. really long time to be in survival mode and so i am i'm done with that and then 555 angel numbers it's a big change um so thrive not survive 555 on tiktok uh i do content with mental health neurodiversity just general life i've got a lot of plans on how we can actually restructure society and uh, change this fucking world uh, my just on Instagram, just go Taylor Pikowski. And, uh, other than that, just hit me up. I'm just, I'm always here. I'm, I'm here. Just know that you are wanted. You are not worthless. And, uh, there are, there's someone out there. And if it's just me, that's all that matters that cares about you. Hmm. And, uh, just let me know if you need to talk. That's baller, dude. I thank you so much for uh, being open, honest, the the only Taylor I've ever known uh, from the jump. You have so much energy. Uh, I might have to take a nap after this. Like I'm just <laughs> exhausted. I'm going to go have more cake and do some fireworks <laughs> myself. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much. Thank I you so much. truly this appreciate your time. Like it is really such an amazing really gift to and spend this is my even. First podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's going to go live this Sunday. So you're next in the chamber. Amazing. Awesome. Hell yeah. Thank right. you so much, Greg. I appreciate you.